Are you ready? I'm ready. It's like I've been ready. I'm the one's running around. John Peckman Podcast, Connecticut Valley School of Music and Dance, beautiful downtown Portland, Connecticut. Come over the bridge, go through one satellite, pull a Yui, park in front of the music store with the red neon light inside. Like and subscribe, tell your friends, be on the show with me, have your own podcast here in our beautiful studio. Dave will tell you how afterward. We're here today with organist, among other things, Kevin Barry. Good evening, John. Good evening. How's it going? It's going great, man. Yeah. When I'm hanging with you, it's always great. <laughs> Even on a gig. Hey, 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 you know what I'm saying? Cool. Um, so I I don't know the whole your whole history, which is kind of why we're here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I I know that you play organ because I've seen you do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I know. And um, you have uh, something to do with the chicken shack up there at the. I'm not entirely sure where. Carter, Farmer Carter Hill. Yeah, okay. The farm at Carter Hill up there in Colchester, which we'll talk about. And also, you have your own recording facility. Correct. So, um, do you want to work backwards? Like, tell us what you're doing now. What I'm doing now is I'm concentrating on performance with my organ trio, which oh. I'm trying to uh, to build up and, and cool. get that rocking and rolling. And, cool. Uh, uh, I've done some, this summer I did a lot of playing out. I did a tour with Taz Crew and, oh, was, nice. and Blues, which probably came about from my association with the farm, sure. getting the Blues Society up there. We do the monthly jams right. up there. So I supplied all the back line and I sure. did the uh, the engineering for, for their Thursdays. And I got to meet a lot of cool people. Yeah, And uh, one of those resulted in um, a gig for me to go out and uh, do a little tour with Taz and play nice. some good things. Boogie and Blues Fest and Thornton and New Hampshire was was great. Things like that, great shows. Nice. How long did you go out? We went out for like a month. Nice. So it was it was pretty cool. Got around. Yeah, I got around and uh, you know didn't have to lug a lot of stuff. So oh was, no, that was a good one. Yeah, that was where those were good shows. They so were, the the big B is parked at the you the, park your bit the B three parked at the farm or it was you didn't take that out. No, no, no. I've got. Four rigs that, okay. I, that I keep that I use uh, when I'm with. I also work with Golf Organ Company, so oh, okay. I, I do rentals for them. I help gotcha. them with the rentals. They so you have small, medium, large, extra large, and super large. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fifty-seven, sixty-one, sixty-three B3s, wow. and then uh, A100, and wow. then some other. Uh, you know, that small rig I brought to the gig the other day. Yeah, yeah. SK2. What's the best year? Uh, or B3, like what? 61. Okay. To me. Yeah. <laughs> they Why? Cha- they changed the chorus, uh, the choral, and it's a little brighter. Okay. But it's very reliable and has that still warm sound, but they, instead of changing like capacitors in there, yeah, not yeah. to get too technical, but huh. they didn't like re- recap it and brighten it whole organ up. They just took the chorus to another level. And that is that like uh, renowned among people who know like the 58 les paul or whatever like this is like oh you gotta you gotta well, i own a 58 i own a 57 61 63 so so I'm you just know. going by yeah, yeah yeah listening to them and yeah. playing them every day and, yeah 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 that's know, cool just comparing the, the two you know what what bites but you know the 57 is nice it's smooth if it's in a nice setting like in a in a restaurant or something yeah, yeah. where it can you know it, it doesn't have to really cut I see. You know, with heavy drums or, you know. Not, wow. Not to, not to say drummers get well, heavy. No. Anyway. It's a different gig yeah, when the drummer's yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's got a little more bite, and it's got a good mix between sweet and bite, the wow. 60 ones. You know, they're just, they're That's rare. You won't find them around. Yeah, that right. Tell you. Well, I guess when you think, I guess, I don't know much I'm going to learn as we talk, but like the Hammond B3 organ, so probably a lot of, settings that you that you're using it in is not what it was made for necessarily you know what i mean like well, uh well it was made for the church origi- right originally but you know you can adopt that style so it, oh yeah but i mean you know rock and roll drums yeah and yeah stuff. yeah well you know jimmy smith put put a change to that but you know it still can be you know you you go back and adapt like if you're starting to do a change will come or some tune you yeah. know that 
you pull out your gospel and yeah, you pull, yeah, then yeah. you go back to those roots you know you got to do what the song needs yeah you know that kind of thing pretty much yeah that's cool so tell us about um the chicken shack okay well i started hanging around i live in colchester so okay. it's like a mile from my house so we started okay. hanging out there and i got to know the owners mitch and hazel and uh they were showing me around the farm and, they, you know, they knew I did music and they said, well, what do you think about, you know, some of these areas we got, you know, the front barn. I looked at it. It looked pretty cool. But then he took me to this back barn that had like, it was 1800s in it. It looked like the old Shabu of yeah, right. floors and stuff. And it had a real nice wood stage and the sound was really good. It was like natural reverb, but not cement like. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I said, this sure. place is great. And then they opened the side doors. You could put another, you could put like 300 people there. So yeah, yeah. It just was great. So I, I talked Mitch into, uh, let me let me try something. So I brought a Hammond down there and brought it in. And we started doing some, uh, you know, blues jams and stuff on our own. And brought Lonnie Gasparini and some other people. How long was, ago did you start that? That was like four years ago. Okay. So it was slow at first. And yep. then finally I got a knock on the door saying the Blues Society needed a place, you know, good old COVID. It basically said, you know, we got thrown out of these other places. Can we do it right at the farm because it's more semi open air? It's open open air, so yeah. we tried it, and the people fell in love with it, and they started coming. We started getting, you know, crowds of 150. It is cool. So, I did a couple of those. Yeah, so we uh, we basically, you know, kept it going, and it's now it's on autopilot. Actually, I'm I'm not going to be doing it anymore as far as backlining and doing it oh. but they're but the 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 blue society's taking it over oh okay so they're they're going to keep going and i'll be you know i'll be around to if they need something or whatever but it's it's kind of on autopilot now because i want to concentrate on my own plan you know rather than, i got you rather than uh, so you don't have to like babysit the whole thing no no it's it's cool. good they 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 run it they got good scott sebastian and those guys oh, are, cool. they're all they're, they're yeah they're pretty cool yeah that was one thing one, I guess, cool thing about the pandemic was because I did some of those gigs too. It seemed to be, I guess some of them still continue, but it was to me, it was the rise of the farm gig. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. there, there were a couple, like all of a sudden yeah. it was like, yeah. oh, we could do this. Yeah. And it was cool. Was like right. outside, you know, so did a bunch of those. I think the brewery thing helped that too. There seems to be a lot, a lot of single guitar players. No. But this, you know, it, it did bring the rural. Yeah. You know, the rural thing home, you know. Yeah, it was kind of cool. But I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool hanging out outside at the farm. You know, that kind of yeah. scenario is a little different, a little less uh, supervised, yeah. I guess. And I did some uh, some really memorable shows. I had Lucky Peterson play there. You know, yeah. he was one of my mentors. So sure. He came up and did a show for me. Mm -hmm. I had Fuzz and I had, yep. you know, Barry Sealin. I yep. had some of the old timers there. And, yep. you know. So it got it brought some brought some people out there, yeah, you know. That's cool. So, um, so you're not even going to show up? Oh, I'm going to show up. I'm yeah, yeah. You're, it's just not your thing. No, I'm not going to be running the sound and yeah, the yeah, soundboard yeah. and all that sort okay. of thing. So it's uh, that's cool, you know. But they do it at the Pine Loft, so they got their own stuff. They're, oh, they're right, cool. right. I just bring it over there. Gotcha, gotcha. So. I could where I live, I could throw a rock and hit the Pine Loft. <laughs> I might throw a rock and hit the Pine Loft someday. I don't even know why. <laughs> Yeah, I live, Pine Loft is right right over the hill from where I live. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. This place is cool. So, um, and then the studio. What about your studio? Well, originally started in Rocky Hill. It, uh, it was uh, in my basement, and I just refinished the basement completely, and uh, just a acquired a lot of equipment. You know, I just uh, like a pack rat. I never sold anything, so I, yep. had, I ended up having a lot of good pieces of equipment like you know mark one roads and yeah uh Wurlitzer piano so i just you know people were calling me to use some of that stuff you know some some really good some good engineers jay newland yeah a guy that you know i guess won grammys but they, he found out i had a really good Wurlitzer that was you know maintained by vintage vibes so i'd get calls for that yeah yeah and i uh i got some some good opportunities yeah. from that studio of using equipment and he listened to a couple of uh 
my recordings, and he liked the way I mic'd a Leslie. So he was doing a Universal, was doing something at Sears Sound in New York. So I hey. had to go down there. That was the oldest operating studio in New York City. Yeah, Walter right. Walter Sear, who was Bob Moog's partner. So yeah, this yeah. is like an opportunity to go down there and mic this, uh, mic this Leslie. And uh, so that was another offshoot of this studio. And uh, we went down there. We did Lucky Peterson's. Uh, he did a three-CD CD down there uh, called Soul Sessions. Okay. And there was just a who's who of people on it that I got to meet. I yeah. mean, I got to meet uh, Cornell Dupree before nice. he passed away. I got sure. to meet uh, uh, Houston Person. So, I mean, just all these people down there. So that, that was a learning situation. So it's like one thing leads to another. And then, you know, I got to uh, know, know Lucky. And uh, I wrote a tune for Lucky, I recorded as on my CD. It was oh, like cool. one of the last things he ever did. Yeah, yeah. And I was very proud of that. Proud of that. When and did he pass away? Not too uh, long two ago. Two years ago. Two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. two years ago, yeah, he passed away. And uh, so, you know, he was one of my mentors, uh, helped me switch over to organ. You know, I was originally a piano player. Okay. You know, yeah. you, prob you probably don't know it, but we crossed paths way back when. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I, was, I was in a band called Rush Hour. Okay. And we used to open for Eight to the Bar. Oh, really? So, well, yeah. So, you know, we, we ran a few, ran into you a few I, times. Did I ever record in your basement back in the day? I did. Pitchell did something. Did he ever do something there? Pitchell did something at my, ho my, at house, at my house. At your house. At your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I think I was there. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember that okay. specifically. I yeah. know he was there and Nikita was there. And, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. So. <clears throat> Now, now you got me thinking. I'm trying to remember. I did something in somebody's basement mm -hmm. in Rocky Hill. But I did a lot of things in a lot of people's basements. <laughs> you know, that's where music starts. Yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so. yeah. All music starts in basements somewhere. Um, how did it all start for you way back in the beginning? Like little little kid. Kind yeah. Of thing? Yeah. Well, I come from Irish household and. Uh, Accordion, my grandmother played the accordion, so okay. I guess they wanted me to play the accordion. So Why not? They threw it at me, and uh, I guess I was destined to be an organ player because I had my brother pull it because I didn't was I got sick of squeezing. Yeah, it, yeah, so yeah. He would pull it, and I'd play it. Yeah, like yeah, organ. yeah. But anyways, I did that. I took private lessons, and I actually uh, took some lessons at. And this Har is where? In Hartford, I lived in Hartford, okay. north end of Hartford. But I took I took like lessons in a store like this, basically on Park Street in Hartford. Okay, so it was a little music shop. Then uh, they sh shoved me off to Hart School of Music when oh. I was like twelve to try to learn some more accordion. But that was that didn't really work out that well. And they, you I think figure I'll go to Hart and learn how to do squeeze it all myself yeah they, yeah. Did, they didn't uh, i don't think they wanted a little kid in there you know they weren't ready for me so uh -huh. it was like that, that put me on hiatus then i uh in high school i got a piano a regular piano at the okay. house and we started practicing and then uh i ended up what really probably got me to play in bands up to that point everything was at home just practicing sure. doing stuff with myself you know and uh sing-alongs with the family and stuff but sure. uh, i went to uh late Bobby Gadsden's place over at Integrity and Music. Yeah. And uh, they hooked me up with uh, Kenny Fisher. I studied with him and Brian Kellenbach, two great keyboard players. So okay. I started studying there. And that was probably what got me into bands. I, I didn't know anything about bands or anything yeah. like that. So they were starting to give me tunes, the real book, you know, <laughs> all that kind of thing that I, you know, you, that you have to learn as a keyboard player. So I got some tunes out of that, and then they said, well, on Saturday, uh, we have these jams. So they take the students on the same level, bass yeah. player, sure. and keyboard player. They didn't have a drummer at the time, so they brought a teacher drummer down there. So I'm down there, and I'm, they had a, didn't have a guitar player either. So I'm down there with a bass player kid, me, and Majeski on guitar. <coughs> sure. And Tommy Dest playing drums. Oh, I, I keep hearing his name. I don't yeah. think I know him. Well, but yeah, yeah, he's I will. Yeah, he's he's a he's a great drummer. Yeah, yeah. But he played barefooted, so I thought every okay. drummer played without shoes on. But wow. anyways, no. But anyways, I got down there and I'm playing with them. And we're doing this. We're doing this jam. And the tune I had learned 
was called Sea Journey by Chick Corea. Okay. You know, it's got a like do 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 do. It's got this nice. It's kind of complicated for. It was over complicated for what I knew, so I had to just concentrate on playing ahead. So I learned it, learned it, learned it, but I didn't learn the whole process. Oh boy! So what? Well, that's why you were there, though. Right, but I could play the head like at an advanced age for a fourteen-year-old kid. So they, so Bobby Gatson came down and says, "Who's that kid?" He said, "Well, he's taking lessons." So he says, "Well, we're going on a tour to Weathersfield and all these schools. We want to bring him and show him as a, as a." as an example. So oh, I that's says, cool. okay. Wow. So I get I've never there. been a good example before. <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> so I get there, but here's the funny part. They didn't realize that I, I played the head. So I get at this, I get at this auditorium. We got all these kids, and I'm with these great, you know, uh, Majeski, great guitar player, sure. Tommy Dest. I got, and they brought another, I think, a horn player too. It's like so. It's great. So I'm playing the roads. I brought my roads. I'm playing that sea journey. I'm going ahead. And they turn to me and they go. They start playing solos. So they go, solo. I'm back. Da, 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 da. I'm playing ahead again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know how to solo. Right, so, right. So they, they called up Fisher and said, didn't you tell me this kid doesn't know how to solo? Right. We just thought he played the head so <laughs> yeah. well. He'll yeah, know how to yeah, blow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I, I, then I had to go on a solo. And, and then I, he said, cancel the tour. Said, you're, now you're a bad example. That's it, that's, I was a bad example. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, you know, musical journey without a few hiccups is well, one that's not worth it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you got it together. Then you said, yo, show me how to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then I started started uh, playing with some of the guys that were going to school, too. And they said, oh, we're going to go to the house and practice. You know, the usual thing happens. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I ran into this kid that had a Brazilian band. He was in a Brazilian band. So I got into that, and I almost never got out because it was – I was making, by the time I was done with that, I was making like more than Spyro Gyro was making on a gig. Wow. And eating like lobster. And wow. I mean, they were just doing festivals. And, wow. And I, and I only had to play like the chicken song. And, you know, once in a while I had to play something, you know, Tarantellas and stuff like that. But so it was like a wedding scenario? It's, it's yeah, it's it's Brazilian Portuguese, but you play, but they would play everything. We'd have dance music too. So you had to do, you know, you do top 40. Yeah. Stuff like and that. who's the audience? There's a big oh, yeah. population. There, there, oh, there was, we'd do festivals, it'd be hundreds and hundreds of people. But the music was, you know, it was, it was okay, yeah, but yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't advancing, you know. But that's jazz. a different path than the normal, it was, it was, and it, it kind of put me in a certain. It actually helped me with Latin rhythms because yeah, Brazilian yeah. rhythms are cool. I was yeah. playing bosses and, sure. and you know, sambas and. I knew what a you know, clave was sure. on the other side. And, you sure. Know, like what Ivan, my friend Ivan would tell me, you're on the wrong side. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyways, uh, no, that that was a good part of it, you know. And, and then as I advanced a little bit, I got to bring some music into the, I found out that they were very open to mm. anything and they had the ability to dance to anything. Nice. So we could bring... Neil, I started to bring like Neil Larson tunes and we did like Sudden Samba and mm. we were like dancing to it. So we kind of advanced this whole process. Into, hey, that's kind of cool. So I just like almost never got out of that band. And you're playing Rhodes at this point? I was playing Rhodes, but it changed. They were actually cool people because they were making so much for gigs and they wanted to be a popular band. They bought me a Oberheim OBXA, which was $4,000. Yeah, the blue, with the just blue. Just so they could have the strings and they, blue. Could, and they could have this orchestra that you know that was going on and you know have these fadu nights that they had with these guitaristas and mm -hmm. they wanted strings behind them and i said well i can read a little bit yeah yeah and that's but they bought me this keyboard and so now you're like, the string section i'm the string section so that was a, a long 30 like 30 years in there and then doing rock and other things on the side it was you know it was very time consuming wow whatever happened to that situation uh I just got into other. I just wanted musically. Are they still going? Yeah. They. Oh yeah. They have their whole society. Wow. That they still do. Yeah. They're wow. All, they're all over. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, wild. It's an underground. Yeah. Society. I'm saying it's a whole thing that we don't even know about. Yeah. It's the Primavera Society. You know, wow. That's what I would call it. You know. Okay. Are you gonna get in trouble no. for saying it out loud? No. No. It's not no, a secret no, society. No. no, no it's not secret. <laughs> 
Wow. But it's, uh, you know, it's an ethnic society and it's their, you know, their music. And uh, it's actually was, it turned out to be quite, you know, quite the experience for me. That's you know? cool. Why you? Just the openness, just the well, willingness that you, you had, must have had a knack for it, for the feel, you think? Well, I just ran into the one of their main guitar players that played in there. He was like a friend of the bass player that okay. I was playing with at Integrity. So it, he came over one day for a jam and he said, oh, would you be interested in, in, we're looking for a keyboard player, he's leaving. So that's how it started. Did you feel like you had any particular instinct for it or just? No. But you just, ears were wide open. So you yeah, just, okay. Yeah, I just, you know, I was... I was a sponge at that point. Yeah, know? right. I was just right. And then this you didn't guy, have to unlearn anything. You and just this have to kid do it. that played guitar, Tony Frutuoso, is probably one of the best guitar players I ever played with. He had ears like he could just hear a tune and he could he could tell the chord changes just yeah. by listening. To yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. And the keys, he had perfect pitch, and it was like he was kind of an amazing cat. Mm. And uh, so hanging with him was cool, and he could sing. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up being in Rush Hour, being the singer. He could sing like Boston. We were doing Boston. We oh, were doing wow. Point of No Return. He could okay. sing these tunes. So he was an impressive cat to be with. Okay. And so I kind of... So from that them. came other things. Right. That came Rush Hour. Rush Hour kind of pulled me away from them because I got busy. Okay. You know, we started, you know, doing the clinics for Art Benson and stuff. Yeah. We, we did the rhythms. We were the rhythm section for Tower of Power to come up there. And we had uh, Rocco Prestia and... Yep. Uh, Forget the drummer. It wasn't uh, Herman Matthews. It wasn't Garibaldi. No. Herman Matthews. Russ McCrimmon. Oh, Russ McKinnon. Yep. Yeah, Russ yep, McKinnon. I remember that. that. Was, he was kind of like an orchestral yep. kind of guy. So I got to play Rhodes and stuff like that with Rocco. Yeah. And uh, it was. Now you're, uh, Chester, you're Chester Thompson for a yeah. day, for a minute. <sighs> no, I was just trying not to, <laughs> not to yeah. fall on my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, stay in the, stay in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So when when does the organ enter the picture? The organ enters the picture when I, I bought a C2 organ from Joey Greco, the keyboard player with uh, the cartels. Yeah, sure. So Joey sold me this. He sat in that very chair. <laughs> Hello, Joey. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Whoever he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he sold me this C2. He lived in East Hartford, and we picked it up. And... Uh, Brought it to my house, and it had all kinds of problems. But you know, he didn't. It was cheap. That son of a, a bitch. <laughs> Never buy anything from Joe Greco. I'm just. <laughs> no, it was cheap, but it, it had a lot of problems. But it actually created probably my whole career in playing organ. So I called around. I said, "Who who can fix organs?" They said, "We got to have Harold Goff, Goff Organ Company." So okay. They do. You know, they do the Allman Brothers. And yeah, yeah, else. yeah. So I said, "Okay." I give him a call. He comes over, and Joey had this thing. He didn't play bass pedals. He wasn't like, I think, a church organist. So he had to he had this thing wired where the bass pedals were playing the lower manual, so he could get that sound with his hands. Yeah. And uh, Harold was just a traditional. You know, he played organ like in New York when they used to do, you know, the theaters yeah. live. Yeah, organ, yeah. And they played with their feet. the mighty Whirlwinds. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, played yeah. the whole. They played the whole deal. <laughs> yeah. And he was like. Like you're a poser if you're playing left hand bass. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. yeah, he was like, just shaking his head, looking at this organ. You know, who did this to that? So he basically said, "I can't. We can't transport it out of your mother's basement because it's too heavy. It's a. It was a church organ. It had a lot of wood on him. Just very, very heavy. Almost 500 pounds. So he said, "I'll come over." And he came over for a series of, you know, times. So Joe week. modded it that much at some point. Or he had somebody mod it. I don't know if he okay. did, but that's the way it was. It just was a mess, so it needed to be worked on. So that's why I got involved with the Goffs. So the okay. Goffs basically, you know, were over there fixing the thing, and then what happened? And you wanted it to be original. Back, yeah. You wanted get, pedals. But he told me I didn't know anything about the. I was just learning. Yeah. So Harold said, you know, this is not the way. He says, let me put this organ back. So if you're going to do it, right? You want to learn organ. You know, we're going to bring it back the way it should sound. And okay. You can work from there. Okay. You can either not play the pedals. Right, because you went through the trouble of having the thing. You might as well right, have right, it. Right, be right, real. right. He just, he just. Did was, it even come with pedals? Yeah, it came with pedals. Oh, okay. It came, right. with, it came with pedals, but you can also wire it to where the pedals notes would. You have to take the keyboard. It's a, it was somebody did, yeah. did quite extensive work on yeah. it. Yeah. Wired, hand wired all the stuff in there. 
So anyways, he's working on it. And uh, the long story short, he was a quite elderly man. He actually worked for Lawrence Hammond at, in uh, Chicago. So Whoa. he was like very close to the engineers out there. So he was well known. And his son, Al, ended up taking over the company afterwards. And his grandson, Dave Vumbach, who kind of runs it now, uh, they were, they were uh, working on it. But one day, he called. He, never, he didn't come back. So, unfortunately, Harold passed away. Ugh. So, I had, I didn't know what to do. I just stopped, sure. I just stopped working on the organ. Sure. I was kind of bummed, so I sure. just left it and did my thing for a while. Then I went over to my mother's house one day to uh, say, I got to do something with this organ. See, maybe I'll call the office and see if they want. So, I'm looking down, and there's a soldering iron with HG on it. It's Harold had left his soldering iron. Wow. So, I said, well, this can't, I can't leave this here. So, I got. So I called him up. I said, I got something for you guys. I said, I want to tell the story. So I went down there to Costello Road where they were. Sure. And I said, I got to give you this solder. This was his. This was your grandfather's and Al, Al's father. Wow. Was Dave's grandfather. Sure. So I gave it to him. And they were like really like touched by it, I guess. Yeah. So they That's cool, though. So they basically said, you know what? Come on down. We're going to help you with the organ. So they saw I could play a little bit. So they couldn't play. Their father played like oh, crazy. So okay. you need to actually, if you're working on it, to play it a little bit yeah, so you yeah. can tweak it. Sure, and stuff. sure. So I used to go down there and I started hanging around down there, like going down there. Yeah, yeah. And playing, you know, playing the organ while they would work on it. I'd get calls from Dave, like, hey, Dave, uh, Kevin, you want to come down and play Greg's number one? I didn't even know what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Greg Allman's number one organ. Like yeah, right. He played at, you know, he played at the... Yeah, we're know, tweaking it for the... Yeah, so can The you, beacon run or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you want to come down and work on, and <laughs> yeah. play it. I said, yeah, so I came down. So anyways, long story short, I started to become friends with them. This is, you know, 28, 30 years ago. Okay. So I've been hanging with them since, and uh, my father owned a bar in Hartford called The Nutshell. That's okay. That's where I started meeting a lot of guys, and I decided to put a little stage there, and I said, well... I talked to Dave. I said, I'd like to, you know, put an organ down here. So Al, Dave says, well, Al likes you. He said, he wants to put an organ down there. So he He's going to give you Greg's number one. He, well, he didn't, <laughs> yeah, he didn't do that. What he did was, it was a little bit of a businessman, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, I'm going to put a port of B, the new port of B down there. He says, but here's the deal. Anytime I need somebody to come down there and try it, you know, can they come down? So I talked to my dad. He said, yeah, no problem. Sure. So we had a nice organ down there. And then he had all these connections, so it's like he so it becomes the spot. Becomes the spot. So I end up with I end up with like uh, Mike Torsone, great organist down there. So he did a gig. Uh, I met uh, Artie Dixon. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to meet all these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. walks this you know longtime friend of mine now, Chris Jensen. Yeah, so right. I'm meeting all right. these characters. Right. You know. Right. And uh, so it became kind of popular, and I you know Lucky came in there and. So we were doing a lot of good things. It was all, you know, due to my, to Goff. So Goff was like probably what got me into the organ. Then I was also going to, to the Goff shop and these church organists started coming in. Yeah. So like, now it's a different bag. They're playing pedals and they're just playing like crazy good. Yeah. So I'm saying, okay, even my organ playing at this point isn't anywhere there. So I was on a trek to learn the pedals. Oh, okay. So that's you know, that's when that that happens. started that whole thing, and it's yeah. like you know the the roads and the piano kind of went away for a while. Okay. And, you know, programming synthesizers and so now you're like I'm going to be a full blown. Yeah, I'll try to do that, and I'll, you know, so I, I'm kind of you know just working on that, and you know that gets busy. You start getting calls, and say people say, hey, you want to you want to play? So now. I was doing sound gigs. I did a couple of sound gigs. I did a record, a live recording at the shop, at the and at the farm for uh, uh, guitar player uh, Oliver James Oliver. Okay, he's a real like fast yeah. picker and stuff. But I did a live CD. I, I did sound for him, and then I recorded a live CD off the board. I got this nice Allen Heath board. I took the took the tracks off it. So he he liked it. Took it to his engineer. They recorded it, and it became like a hit. So, so basically, I was doing that, and I got gigs from him to do sound. And yeah, other yeah. people to do sound. So I was getting busy. Yeah. So what I decided was I wanted to play. So my playing was, you know, not going to be able to accommodate all this other stuff. So yeah. 
I'm pulling that all back and, and going with playing right now. So, well, that's kind of cool. That's where I'm at, and that's you know, it's probably why we ran into each other. Yeah. The other day, you know. Yeah. The gig. So. Yeah. No, Ivan used to tell me about working with you at the studio. I didn't oh, know. Oh, I forgot about it. I, that, we didn't mention it. Yeah. That's a whole nother. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll go, you, then you tell me your side. But that was his thing. Like yeah. when I, me and Ivan were like on parallel, you know, we worked together with yeah. Pitchell. And then after a while, and I, you know, we were both teaching. And he would tell me, oh, yeah, I'm hanging out at the studio. It's great. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And some key, some keyboard player. Yeah. And that was you. But yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't put it together. Yeah. So. What's the Ivan we, story? We did three. We, I did three CDs with him. He's he's relentless. He's he's good, you know. And it's like, it's a lot of work. It's like you know, you got a percussion player who's really good, and he'd hum, hum the thing, and then uh, we'd build it up, kind of like uh, you know, bass and melody, and work it up, and I'd lay some tracks down, and we'd we'd start tracking. We'd just build these tunes up. You yeah, know? And it was. Uh, we're doing it on the spot, and he'd be happy, and he says that flows, you know, just. It was a good experience for me to play. You know, he's like a metronome. So yeah, oh, it was yeah. Like, you know, and he, he tells you if things ain't things ain't hip. So yeah, yeah. You know, we basically basically improved me. So I, I enjoyed. Oh, it. that's cool. So yeah. uh, you know, he's a he's just a good friend. You know? Oh yeah, he's a good friend. And if I needed him for you know do a track, he's on Lonnie Gasparini's CD, one yep. of his latest one. He yep. just came down and you know and did some stuff. So yep. he's. You know, just we help each other. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's just been a good friend. So. Yeah, he can do anything. So yeah, uh, that's that's Ivan. He continues yeah. to be a friend. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's when I started hearing about you. Um, and then um, so then so, how did you get into doing sound? That was just something that happened along the way, because not everybody does that. Either. No, no. Be, when we when we decided the concept to get the concept going for uh, the chicken shack, you know, it's just Mitch, the owner. You know, he's didn't know anything about sound or you know music or anything like that, so I kind of had to do it. You know, being a keyboard player from the day, I was always probably the guy that set the sound up at, okay. at the time. You know, it's it's just you know. For we were the geeks, reason. you know. We were the geeks. Okay, the geeks of the geeks of the group. You know? Is that right? Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but no, that's what my girlfriend says. You know, you guys are all geeks. I says, come okay. on, man. Huh. You know. Well, she's a, a geek's girlfriend, so yeah, yeah. that's John, worse John for her. Lord, John Lord's not a geek, you know? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I just did it. You know, I had to do it for my own system. I had the system, so it yeah. was just bigger. But I had to learn a few things. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, you know, I ran into a few guys that knew really what they were doing, and they helped, like Johnny Larson. I mean, yeah, he was doing sure. front of house for sure. Xfinity, yeah. you know, it's yeah. uh, Infinity. Yeah. So, you know, he helped me. He told me what board to get. He said, you know, get this Allen and Heath board, and yep. you know, and then I just, uh, you know, learned how to, you know, ring out, ring out feedback, and yeah. you know, that's the main thing. You know what I mean? I learned the the, the real, you know, I, sure. I'm not a super, you know, highly talented sound man but i can ring out i can no feedback and make it sound good so, right and yeah, yeah and you, you have ears you know what yeah. it's supposed to sound yeah. like and i was able to you know do some recording off that board you know and you know and, and run a hard drive and yeah. you know do some do some basic stuff and that's cool i guess you know i can edit and you know do stuff in the studio i'm good at yeah you know, good at pro tools and when did the studio expertise happen? That all intersects at putting, some point. Putting this CD up. Yeah? Yeah, that's that that had to, you know, that was for my own CD. I said, well, I could practice. You know, it took me four years to yeah. put this CD out. Okay. So that was, you know, that. I learned Becoming the recording geek Correct. a whole different Co thing. Correct, yeah. I, you know, there's... Uh, there's some people on there that I had to do remotely with, like Joel Rosenblatt. Oh, yeah, sure. Played, he plays drums on this. So his studio in New York, I had to send tracks. So I had to learn, you know, sure, I, I learned sure. the whole, sure. that whole bag and, yeah. you know, some of the uh, the ways to get things to sit in the mix and stuff. It just, you know, you just do it over and over again. And, you know, when to say enough is enough. That's the other big thing because it would still be 
Yeah, right. You still be mixing it. Right. right. Now. It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. there's got to be a point where you just. Yeah. So now I'm just, I'm a lot faster. It's like, I did Lonnie's and I learned a few things. It's better to track as a group, like an organ trio. You take like the drummer I had, this last CD I just did was Mark Teixeira on drums. Okay. You got a great drummer. Got Lonnie Gasparini, a great organist. You just let them lay lay the thing down. Sure. I ran through the whole, you know, all 12 tunes, the basis of it, and then overdub. All the problems were the overdubs, just the single guys coming in. Yeah, so right, if, right. So if you did all this singly to begin with, it probably would have, you know, been a real pain in the neck. But yeah, because right. Because I had this bass yeah. down with the organ and yeah, the drums. Yeah, right, right. You know, for organ trio, I added, I just started adding these people, and then I had like a couple of real pros on there, like Eddie, uh, uh, Benny Bloom from, from uh, Lettuce. Okay. The oh, trump, wow. The trumpet Far player. Out. Yeah. So he played on it. So that was just like, okay. <laughs> just Here let, we go. Just let him go. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So send him the tracks. He sends them back. I plug them in. It, it works. Cool. Yeah, it works. And cool. And I had Danny Dreyer play guitar. And, you know, we did stuff like that. And I, Ivan played on it. Yeah. And, uh, nice. You know, that was it. So we just, you know, Burn by fire, just keep doing it. Yeah, right. Whatever sounds, you know, get it to sound the way I want it to sound. Yeah. And hopefully the client's happy if you're working for them. But yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do too much more of that, I don't think. No? I mean, it's kind of a lot of, it's a lot of work for, you know, friends or projects that I really like, I will. But I want to, I want to start playing. I'm having fun, I'm having fun actually playing. So that's the thing, yeah, like you were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, get the no. trio together, you know. Cool. Do it. There's there's some places now like the side door has a uh, organ in there now. Yeah. You know, and they've started out. They had Joey D. They had a lot yep. of good places, but they're going to need to fill it with. Yeah. You know, lower, startup startup well, guys like us. Well, know. start other things. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I'm just saying there's there's room for that kind of thing. Yeah. I just want to see if you know if it'll work. You know, get some you know some higher class. You know, tunes in there and it's not just you know banging out some blues or something nothing against blues or yeah anything, yeah but you know just see if i can bring a different you know a different organ yeah right you know, like the old jimmy you know back in the old groove homes jimmy sure. smith that kind of you know that kind sure. of thing give a lot of space where everybody can hear yeah anything they play one would hope <laughs> yeah yeah you know, so. yeah um oh, i was gonna say something back back there a while but I don't remember um what when you started getting into the organ who was who were some of the people that you first started listening to that gave you the key like Jimmy Smith or whatever like what what lit the fire of like oh okay this is how it is this is how it how it's supposed to be because from rock world what do we have? You know, yeah. we have some, but yeah. not pedals, you know, not like the trio. No, no, no. The organ, actually my first organ uh, idol was Brian Auger. I love Brian Auger. But okay. that's that's not in this tradition. But okay. as far as right hand playing and, yep. and blowing, he's great. So yep. that, that, that Remind me who that is. Uh, with, the tr with the Trinity, straight ahead and all those tunes, Oh, okay. Uh, brain yep. damage. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know, just yeah, yeah. He's just phenomenal. Player. Okay, but he's not a doesn't play pedals, doesn't play left hand. He has a bass and all his okay. groups and stuff. So, but that was he was, you know, I just loved his sound and I loved his, so that was that. But you're like, I'll start here. The tradition would be yeah, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith, uh, Groove Holmes. I really like Groove Holmes. I just think he's very funky and yep. uh, he's got just a unbelievable timing and. Uh, then to play the pedals, I went and saw uh, Barbara Dennerling, which okay. is a German, but she plays the pedals like nobody's business. She plays them, you know, like fast left hand, but with her feet. Just, oh, wow. She has like tiny feet, and she oh, I see. slam all over the pedals. So, huh. so, of course, I tried that, but it doesn't really swing, so you have to, you have to give that up and and go back to left hand bass which you know I, I, that's what I, I finally did you know I was determined to, to do it with the pedals but but you could still play pedals oh yeah I play pedals and I just play it on ballads and, and medium medium tunes and you can kind of cheat with Latin you know working with Ivan actually helped me it can kind of do like a 
a clave. You could sure. you go fast that way, but right, but, but you're not but you're walking. not walking, walking, right. and walking sure. at a quick tempo is a different story. So. Well, you could say a lot of those old cats. So that's how you. That's how they started. Right, like yeah. that's. But you, if you, you, wa- if you watch Jimmy, Jimmy taps on one note while he plays left hand bass. They, he's just doing. See the whole thing with the with the bass on the organ is there's just the attack of the, the note. They're doing a staccato attack. If you watch Jimmy's foot, it's just on one note. Really? Until it's slow, and then it's a ballad, and then he can mimic. He'll mimic it oh, once in a while. Okay. And then he'll push it down when he needs accent on. When he wants to say something, he'll push it down. But normally, his bass is coming. His left hand. Whoops. Excuse me. That's his, right. his left left hand is his ba- is his bass. Oh, I never knew that. And then his foot is is tapping to give it a percussive sound. But it's it's feathered in there. It's not. Oh fully, wow. It's not fully pulled out. It's, it's so it's um. So there's pedals and then there's left hand. Right. They can't sound at the same time. No, they'll 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 kind of they have a funny sound when they're together. You know. It's, so he's doing like he's doing like a, just a percuss giving a percussive. He's a he's he's playing a walking line with his yeah. left hand, but he's tapping on on single note. He may move it a little bit, yeah. you know, just to give a little flavor yeah. change to it, but he's not actually hitting tones with those notes. It's oh, wow. But he's giving, it does add to the, if you just heard the left-hand bass without the tap, yeah. it's not as it's not as thick. It's, oh, it gives okay, the so he's doing, like you just said, he's doing percussion with his foot. It gives the impression of a bass player's fingers sliding off the bass, sliding oh, wow. off the strings. Oh. So it, it, it makes the bass sound more real. But you're not really hearing. You're hearing the you're hearing the timber with the hand, but you're getting that first attack with the. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a well-known thing among okay. organ players. Yeah, that play left-hand bass. Wow, that's called the tap method. But a lot of them will also ghost the pedals where they're going. Yeah, and they could tap lightly, staccato, and not gotcha. not, not basically playing playing notes. And when they want to say something, say they want to go up top, take their hand off their yep. left hand and go up top, and their foot is where it needs. Their to foot be. is where it needs to be, and then come down and they can fill in. Wow! So they don't lose anything? It's it's oh wow! Of, it's kind of a, it's like playing the drums, really. It's yeah, right. Three, you know, you get every actually you get four. You get four going because you got you get to play the pedals with two feet, sure. and you got volume pedal. That's a big part of the sound. Yeah, yeah. Into. So wow, quite a quite a thing. Yeah, it's. You have to simplify when you play the organ. You have to not get too complicated. Start playing with draw bars all the time because you know you just won't get any playing done. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, just always something to do. <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, it's been you know it's been plenty. And then of switching to Leslie whenever. Yeah, that that you get a feel for that after a while, you know. So it's like, you know, you gotta you gotta kind of learn it to simplify in my old age. Is not, in other words, not analyze everything like say okay. Right. This is the Jimmy Smith setting. That's easier to know. And then you could you could say, I don't know what that is, but I would teach you what that is. Yeah. That's the first three draw bars and the four the four percussion all the way up. So you get his sound. Oh, okay. So but if I told you, well, the first three draw bars leave the other six in, right. hit these four, that right. sounds complicated. Mm-hmm. If I just told you the Jimmy Smith setting, right. ju- that's all you learned, but you knew what that so was. So that's where he starts from. With yeah, that sound. yeah. So that's what that's what you have to do. You have to like yeah, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. these things sure, and just sure. say, okay, that's Jimmy Smith. And Groove has his own sound, right? So, different, yeah, different. So you say Groove, Groove, Jimmy. Wow. And that's it. Sounds like it's complicated. It looks like you're doing all yeah, this yeah, stuff, yeah. but in your mind, you know what Groove is. Right, right, right. Sure, Jimmy sure, is. sure. So sure. It's, it's like anything. Else. Wow, that's interesting. So Never yeah. thought about it. So, um, how radically different are the sounds I'm a medium all right so I don't know much when I was young enough I was in a a band with an older bass player who was cool his music taste was great and he turned me on to organ grinder swing mm-hmm. Jimmy Smith oh, record yeah. so, oh, yeah. so so that was like the first yeah, yeah yeah and I'm like okay this is cool so I knew Jimmy Smith I know some Shirley Scott I know a yep. couple of things um what's would I be able to tell the difference between Groove Holmes? I don't know Groove Holmes. Would I be able to 
would I be able to identify the Jimmy Smith sound versus? Yes, oh, I yeah. would. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a has a little bit of a sizzle to it. Okay. In other words, it has no percussion and it has a high draw bar setting, so it's it's distinctive. And I think that was the reason Groove did it. He wanted to differentiate himself from. Oh, wow. A lot of these guys wanted to sound a little different than Jimmy. Oh wow. Otherwise, you, you sound. So like was Jimmy. he one of the first? Is he the one that? kind of laid it down Jimmy, i don't know Jimmy, yeah. yeah jimmy was kind of yeah. see i don't know those guys before and bill doggett and even go through a lot of guys yeah davis and different guys yeah that jimmy idolized but they they didn't do it in a jimmy took some really hard bebopping blues and yeah, closer a little he did closer. some some bebopping blues and stuff and took some horse silver tunes like sister sadie yeah that were popular in the time so he got popular Okay. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, he wrote the Chicken Shack. And, right. You know, stuff like that just became popular. Sure. So so then you, you have to get through him. You have to get around him. You have to get around him because he had a bunch of hits, you know. So yeah. Groove had like Misty, which was big. Yeah, you know, yeah. He did Misty. If you listen to Misty, that's the Groove Home sound. Okay. You know? So you have to check that. it out. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there's a couple other different sounds. Uh, he, the squabble and stuff, which is, you, if you heard it, you'd know it's, it's yeah, very, yeah. very sizzly. Huh. You know, so that was kind of his thing, the squabble. And, uh, How long did it take you? When were you like, oh, hey, I'm doing this? Did you go from, I wonder if I could, to like, okay, I'm, I'm actually, like, was it a long time bef before you felt like you were getting in the zone? Yeah, yeah, it, it took me, you know, like anything else, you got to pay the bill. So I had other, you know, I was an engineer sure. Sure. during my regular years and I was, you know, working that and, you know, raising my family and paying my bills and things like that and doing all this on the side. So it was a little overwhelming, but you're young, you can come home three, four in the morning, you know, after a gig, after working all day and get up for seven o'clock and be at work. So when I finally retired, which, you know, I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, work at a place for a long enough time to where I could get get a pension and retire and uh, you know now I could concentrate you know on on music and kind of you know it really it's what you have to do yeah yeah to, to take it up sure but does it pay the bills <laughs> that's the question well yeah <laughs> you know that's that's the age-old story unless you're you know Taylor Swift and you write some great tunes or right you hustle. You got to hustle. You know, I right. could have hustled and you know, sure. caught and uh, sure. all kinds of stuff. But you know, so what I decided now was, I've got this out of out of here. I'm just going to stay with the music somehow. It drifted a little bit with the sound and uh, engineering and stuff like that. But now it's just music, and being able to concentrate, I was able to like get some analysis of things I was doing that were making hard for me. What how I can make it easier. Okay. And one of them was uh, studying with Jimmy Heath, the sax player. Okay. I basically got some ideas from him. And you know, he'd basically tell you, uh, how'd you learn how to play? I said, well, you know, learn tunes, uh, read music. Oh, stop. You know, uh, your ears aren't any good. I go, what do you mean? He goes, if you're reading music, that's what you're doing. He says, your ears aren't any good. I got to train your ears. You got to get to the point where a melody, you're not looking at the paper. Your basically melody is in here, and your ear tells you where your notes are wrong or right, and you have to get it to that point. That's why saxophone players sound great right off the bat. They play one note at a time. Piano players think they can play the orchestra all at once, and they do chords and they do all the stuff. I and see. It's just a mess. I it can see. be a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Bill Evans said, if you don't understand the problem, you're going to get lost in there and never get out. Huh. So, but sax players, they think about the melody. And their their ears are totally trained because they hear a melody I see. and they sound hip right off the bat because they're not thinking about they're not thinking about chords or whatever, but the organ player has to think about chords and stuff. But he said you could take that out of your head. You could just the melody just you don't think about that. That's not a note. What the note is, it's all in your ear. Yeah, and your hands. You gotta have technique. You have to. So you just basically it. flip it. You've you fl flip the whole thing. Yeah. So basically, you're just thinking about the melody which is freeze everything up. Okay, I got that. Right. Now, what do you think about just the chord progressions, what they are, the qualities of the chords and where they land? Because when the organ stops, you have to, with your right hand, you have to make a chord. So you have to know what's... But they move slower, and they're more relaxed. So you're not sitting there with melody notes all, all 
jumbled up. Right. It's automatic. Huh. So you're sitting there. If you're doing a tune in C and you're just jamming, you're only thinking about C. So it's yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. It's pretty easy, but you got to think melodically. But if you have that melodic thing under control where you can hear something, mm-hmm. you play it. In other words, don't play anything you don't hear. Gotcha. <laughs> you know. So just hear more. You've got to hear more. Yeah, so you yeah, don't yeah. Hear. So that's what Jimmy Heath taught me about that. that hey, that's have, cool. That you have to just hear everything. You know, sing it to yourself. Play a line, then sing it. If you can't sing it, then play it back. Then sing it. Play it. Right. Sing it. You alternate back and forth. Right. To where it's and then it's swinging. And you just, just all you yep. gotta do is just you know get yeah. a two and four going and make sure it swings, and then hear it. And yeah. Then, then you can worry about the chord. Now I'll put the chords under it. Right. Get your chords right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then you do that, and then when the when the melody stops, you know what the chord is. You could fill it, and it's yep. like it makes it makes it really relaxing to huh. play a lot more for me. Yeah. That yeah. was very comfortable. What's you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. When you put, like you say, you have yeah. it backwards. Yeah. You're yeah. thinking that it's. Yeah. A, a formula or a bunch of things, as opposed to, like you say, the original is it starts with your ear. Right. Yeah. And your ear will tell. And if it's that yeah, point, yeah. Yeah. if you hit a bad note, it's like you know it. Your ear just says. Right. It slaps your hand. Right. 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 <laughs> so you have to stop. Maybe you have to stop and get it. Yeah. 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 But your ear will get you, and it's you'll be fine. So then, that's cool. Then you're not thinking about. I never think about like melody notes, what they are. It's yeah. just basically the changes. And, yep. and the gro- then the, the whole thing with the third part, the, the rhythm, yeah. which you can tweak forever. Yeah, you yeah. Know, the feel. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, so that was, that was his whole theory on it. Wow. I thought, I thought it made things easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these were things I didn't think about when I was working, and I didn't concentrate on music all the time. Right. I wasn't thinking about it. Well, you know. Yeah. You get to the point where you're walking around in the grocery store thinking about chord changes. You don't want to get that crazy. I, well, I'm a drummer, so I don't. I'm walking around the grocery store. I'm thinking about bananas. I had a friend of mine. He says, I'm walking in the, the aisles and I'm thinking about changes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, that'll, that'll happen. He's a great piano player, Steve Donovan. He was a, a great player. He plays at the side door and stuff on Sundays. But he's a he's a jazz jazz head, Bill Evans kind of guy. And it's... He's thinking about chord changes all the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go that far, you know. Yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you're getting there? Yeah, yeah. What it allows you to do, too, is to practice away from the instrument, which is, you know, I, I heard all this stuff when I was growing up, and I was like, you know, you're a kid, you want to hear all the, you want to play all the Yeah, sure. You don't listen. It's like Chick Corea said, just imagine playing something from beginning to the end without a mistake. I go. Yeah, right. I want to know how you do this. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But now I'm thinking about it. Wow, that was pretty hip. Yeah, but don't you think, but maybe when you're young and you're doing all that, though, what you don't realize what you're getting done is your technique, though. Yeah, you are, but it could be mindless technique. That's, right. That's wrong. In right. In other words, you're learning the wrong notes. Try, like, well. <laughs> you're learning right, the wrong. Right. Sure. You know, some things become muscle memory. They I got be you. wrong muscle memory. I got you. So, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting mm. concept, but uh, yeah. Anyways, he, uh, yeah. That's why I play without, drums. I don't practicing know. without the instrumental drums are very important. Very important. Without rhythm, it's the you know it's the energy. Everything's just static. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have to think about chord changes. Usually, no. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. why I did Unless it. This would give you a marimba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty cool yeah there's a lot of stuff but it's you know it's uh you just got to stay healthy and live long enough to kind of understand it yeah you know? yeah something like that um yeah. time is flying okay i did not read this is good though because okay. this was a, a cool and meaningful conversation. Well, when you take a sixty-nine-year-old guy and say, "What you know? What would you start with?" <laughs> well, yeah, but no. I mean, I'm just saying. A lot of times, I'm like killing time, and yeah. I just realize I'm like, "Oh, hey, it's pretty cool." So, anything that we didn't talk about that you want to touch on briefly before I do my wrap-up questions? If no. not, I'll just get to them. No, because the wrap-up will. It's going to cover everything that we didn't, because that's what I do. I'm just like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Are you ready? I'll wrap it. Desert Island albums. Give me five that you would take with you. 
if the house were on fire. This is a new way to p- phrase this. If the house were on fire, what would you grab? You know, music-wise. Even though, we, you know, our music is not necessarily in our house, but I'm just saying. What would come to mind? Like, oh. Uh, Bill Evans' uh, Vanguard Sessions. Okay. Uh, Wizard Island by uh, Jeff Lorber. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, something funky. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Smith, the sermon, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Horace Silver, best of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know how many is that for. Yeah. Don't hurt yourself. No, that's a tough. That's a. T- that's a tough. Tough deal. Keyboards. You could leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, right now, I. Right. Yeah. Desert Island food. What could you eat every day? Hmm. You're thinking oh. too much. Pasta, pizza. Sure. Sure. Some kind of pasta. Dish. Yeah, yeah. I could put every. Could I put it? Could I could put anything in the you pasta? Could, yeah, this is all chicken. this is I got made chicken, up. shrimp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Anything. It's a pasta yeah. dish. Yeah, we're making this whole yeah. thing up. Yeah, so yeah, it could be yeah, anything. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular concert or show that you recall seeing that changed your whole everything? That changed your trajectory, your whole idea? Well. I saw a lot of good concerts. I saw Brian Auger live. That was great. I saw Tower of Power, like as far as tightness goes. That was like the... Sure. Know, I said, okay, that's stupid. The horns yeah. are actually hurting my ears. You know, they're so tight. Uh, Chick Corea was great. I saw Chick just before he passed. Oh, with, wow. Uh, with electric band and uh, with... Uh, Sometimes it occurs to me, you forget. You just go, oh... Chickory is dead. Like you forget yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I don't. It's like Antonio Carlos Correa is one of my. Okay. Yeah, he's just. Yeah. He went in a different direction, chord yep. wise. Yeah. Just was going his own yep. way. He's not doing you know standard chords. He was. He was looking. He was searching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. Uh, oh, Brand X. Okay. Kind of, I've been seeing before John passed away. Okay. The day John, the guitar player, died. Uh, they started coming around, so oh, I was wow. going to see them, and it was like, okay, mm. it was kind of kind of wild. And uh, I saw, you know, bluegrass bands that I liked. Uh, I love bluegrass know, too. You know, I saw uh, uh, Steel Drivers. Mm-hmm. I liked them. That's where uh, Stapleton came from. So mm-hmm. I like those guys as songwriters. I thought they were great songwriters. So. Uh, I just saw so many concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just go back. Cool. And, you know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, favorite movie. Well, I just saw In the Heat of the Night, which was very good the other day. Sure. So that's actually The Sting. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The end of The Sting was like, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Why like, not? Yeah, I like uh, I like that. Uh, but yeah, just that's probably yeah. Cool. Two quick movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that might cover it. You think? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we could get out of here. So where where should we look for you? Well, I'm putting like the the uh, trio together. So I'm working with some different people, and hopefully uh, Nikita and uh, the w- girl we work with yeah. tonight, and yeah. uh, you know, get some things happening. Yeah. And, uh, try for the side. I'm going to try like the side door. I'm going to try different places. Yeah. Yeah. Know? If not, you know, just at a restaurant near you for now yeah right to, right try to get somewhere you know, yeah somewhere cool get something to happen that's funny but did you did the owners of carter hill did they under were you like oh this is the chicken shack that's what i'm going to call it did they understand the significance of that because it's kind of perfect no no because yeah, it's <laughs> funny when no, i first no, went i'm like no, this is perfect no this is yeah, a chicken yeah, shack yeah. yeah i used to do a few things there like ask questions about Jimmy Smith and you know yeah. who wrote the yeah the, and I'll say I'll buy a beer from there was a few people few people that knew but there was yeah, a yeah. lot of people that needed the education yeah that's funny <laughs> funny you know that's yeah, kind of perfect 
kind of perfect. But yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to my girl who did the design. If you've ever been there, there's the, the chicken logo. And yeah. She's a great artist, and she did the logo and hey. the design on that. So it's like, you know, I got to give her give her some give her a shout out on, Far out. on that one. So, uh, would you like to say her name? Yeah, Lynn Brylow. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn is a fantastic artist. So. Hey, there you go. All right, that's it. John. Cool. You good? This is this is great, man. Of course, we got it down. You got your history down. We got it down, so far. An Irishman that can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm pressing the button. You ready? Okay. Don't ready. get scared. Hey. John Packing Podcast, Connecticut Valley School of Music and Dance. Move downtown Portland, Connecticut. Come over the bridge. Go one through set of lights. Go through one set of lights. Pull a Yui. Park in front of the store of the thing. It's getting worse. I thought this was going to be my year. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. All right. Hey, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Come on the show with me, please. Uh, if anybody out there can teach me how to go remote, please uh, hit me up because I, I want to go global. I got, I got big plans. Check out the merch. Oh, check out the merch. Yeah, we still have merch left over from our Christmas rush. You know what I mean? All right. Take it easy. Thank you. You're welcome, John. That is all. If you'd like to start your own podcast, give us a call at Connecticut Valley School of Music and Dance. Our professionally designed podcast space is here for all your recording needs. Rent out our studio to do interviews with up to four people to record audiobooks, social media content, and all other recorded material. Our rentals include a private studio along with our professional-grade podcasting equipment, and we can customize your output to whatever your needs are. We also have green screen capabilities, which will expand to uh, video capability if you so wish. So check us out here at convalley.net forward slash podcast.